The Thread is a new hit podcast from Aussie Media that explores history's surprising connections in order to discover how one thing leads to another, like how John Lennon's murder connects all the way back to communist leader Vladimir Lenin. Get it on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen. You are entering the Freedom Hut. We got a Freestyle Friday coming your way on the Buck Sexton Show. The media has somehow managed to turn a tragic shooting into a moment for the media to make it all about them. This is disgraceful, but not surprising, friends. We'll talk about how that happened. Plus, abolishing immigrations and customs enforcement sounds like a crazy leftist slogan. It is a crazy leftist slogan, but now a Democrat senator has adopted it. We'll talk about why the Democrat Party and the left have just completely lost it on the issue of immigration. That and so much more coming up on The Buck Sexton Show. This This is The Buck Sexton Show, where the mission mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. Make Make no mistake. America. You're a great American. Again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. I'd like to address the horrific shooting that took place yesterday at... Capital Gazette Newsroom in Annapolis, Maryland. This attack shocked the conscience of our nation and filled our hearts with grief. Journalists, like all Americans, should be free from the fear of being violently attacked while doing their job. To the families of the victims, there are no words to express our sorrow for your loss. Horrible, horrible event, horrible thing happened. We pledge our eternal support. My government will not rest until we have done everything in our power to reduce violent crime and to protect innocent life. We will not ever leave your side. So our warmest best wishes and regrets. Horrific Horrible thing. Thank you. you. Welcome to the Bucks Action Show, everybody. Uh, You had the president there speaking about that shooting that happened yesterday in Annapolis, Maryland. I was on Fox last night analyzing it. There's not a lot to analyze here, folks. Uh, There's not a lot of political takeaway. There's not a lot of uh, policy takeaway. Uh, a guy who was a, uh, an angry, crazy loser, had a grudge, and he went in and tried to murder a whole bunch of people, and he, and he did. Uh, there's nothing really to discuss in terms of, I mean, we can, but it, it's, it's pointless, right? Well, what policy are you really going to have? People will talk about uh, how we need, you know, let's discuss mental health. All right, there are millions and millions of people in this country who are dealing with mental health issues who are our family members, our friends, our neighbors, and, and they're perfect. I mean, it's, they're the people around you right now, right? There's nothing that we say mental, dealing with mental health. What we're really talking about is dealing with uh, not the run-of-the-mill mental health issues that affect tens of millions of Americans, but the you know needle-in-a-haystack situation or a needle-in-a-stack of needles where you've got somebody who's just radicalizes, really, and is going to go and become... A mass shooter. It's so hard to stop these things unless you have 
bright red flags along the way. And with this guy, he was bad. He looked like he was, you know, he was obviously a loner and a weirdo and he had harassed some people. But I, I didn't see anything here that would really let you know that there were uh, law enforcement. This is not like the Parkland shooting with regard to all the missed signs from law enforcement side. In fact, here, law enforcement responded within 60 seconds. And they were right on the scene. Uh, this is, I don't like the term workplace violence. I do think that that minimizes what we're really talking about here. But this is an instance of uh, somebody who, it was a uh, really a revenge killing for what he thought was some slight that had been, or re- revenge killings that had been done to him. But I remember when this happened last night, and the fact, <clears throat> excuse me, the initial facts came out. <clears throat> I remember when it happened, and there was this, okay, well, how, how can anybody make this really political? Where's the political component of this? How's that going to come into play? And sure enough, what we ended up finding out was that it wasn't going to be really a big Second Amendment discussion, and it wasn't even... So much going to be a a civility discussion as it was a, oh, the media is being targeted and Trump has been mean to the media. So it's Trump's fault in some way. I, you know, there are very few things these days that 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 surprise me. But even having the disdain for much of the mainstream media that I now do, I, I actively disdain a majority of the mainstream media. Uh, this was just too much. Uh, you know, you can hear some of this. Here, here's a, one CNN analyst who's saying, that this is a classic CNN construction about this stuff, by the way. It's not Trump's fault, but I mean, it's kind of his fault. That's, that's what you're hearing a lot of. It's just not, Trump didn't, you know, inspire this guy directly, but I mean, he kind of inspired this guy because he's Trump. This is the stuff that they say. And then they want us to take them seriously. Uh, Play clip eight, please. And the editorial page editor was a man named Gerald Fishman. And in the obituary that his own paper wrote for him today, he recounted a um, a city councilwoman saying he treated every city council race like it was a presidential race, that he asked tough questions and knew my record. That kind of local civic commitment is the opposite of being the enemy of the American people. And this rhetoric, while not directly responsible, is really ratcheting up threats against journalists that we deal with on a daily basis. It's been described as an epidemic. Epidemic of, of threats, you know. I mean, journalists are not under threat across the country. This is just not true. This guy wasn't, this shooter, Ramos was the last name, Jared Ramos, he, he wasn't, uh, you know, going around and... And trying to find a, a political justification for this. He literally had a personal beef with these guys. Or clearly, explicitly had a personal beef. They wrote an article about him he didn't like. He went to court, sued them for defamation, lost his case. He's clearly, you know, a wacko. And then he went in and shot a bunch of people. It, it, this would be like saying the next time somebody gets fired from their job. And goes in and and shoots somebody. You say, well, you know, it's really we can tie this to Trump. You know, we, we can tie this in some way to Trump and his lack of civility because people are being meaner to each other in offices. Where does this end? Where's the outer limit of this? They really seem to think that they can pin 
anything on Trump. And, and all this whining, oh, reporters, reporters don't feel safe now. This is not this is nothing to do with the, the broad sweep of reporters ac- across the country. I mean, technically, I'm in the media. I don't feel less safe now. In fact, this is actually the, 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 the reality here is that if you're a reporter and you feel unsafe, it's much more likely that you're going to be attacked or assaulted by a crazy leftist than anything else. People that get attacked for political reasons are conservatives. People that, you know, show up at people's homes and look, look at all the stuff we've seen this past week. Where are the mobs? The, the mobs are targeting who are they targeting liberals or conservatives? They're targeting conservatives. The media's efforts to harass and destroy people in, in public life, in public office. Is it conservatives or liberals? It's conservatives. People tied to Trump. So they're just lying about this stuff, right? They're, they're actually just actively, or, or they're delusional. I think it's better to say they're delusional. Because a lie, you'd have to prove that they know what they're saying is false. Delusional is just they're crazy, which I think is going on here. Um, you had another, a lot of this you'll notice at CNN. A lot of CNN, a lot of, well, CNN, where Trump is so mean to us, he's made things so hard. Well, what is this all about? Based on what? You know, because he calls them out. I mean, o- Obama used to he used to be so snide about Fox News. You know, people all forget this now, but he would he would say the nastiest stuff about Fox News all the time. And people are just sick. They're, we're all sick of the double standard. I'm sick of the double standard. Uh, but, you know, here's another CNN analyst on this shooting and how it's it's really about the climate for reporters right now. I've served in a war zone and it wasn't, it didn't feel like this. I mean, we get threats. I, I got a couple of threats today, you know, after the shooting. People saying that I don't deserve to breathe air and that why am I alive? And they send them to our newspaper and they send them to other newspapers. And that's the new reality in which we live. And honestly, Don, I have to tell you, we've joined the ranks of Russia and third world nations where, where reporters' lives aren't safe. And that's not right. That's just nonsense. This is just crazy. This this what happened in Maryland has nothing to do with the the climate of incivility or Trump saying mean things to CNN. Someone wrote something about a guy he didn't like and he had a vendetta. The vendetta started in 2012. It is six years old, has nothing to do with Trump. But this is what it, look, this is fake news. I think it's so fascinating. People at CNN today were saying, we don't want to ever hear fake news again. It leads to violence. No, this is fake news. By the way, do you remember? And they want you to forget this. They want to just do this little Soviet trick of acting like fake news is something that the Trump people came up with. And it's all the Trump people's fault. You know who came up with fake news as a concept? The media on how there were these stories with the Russian bots and all this stuff. They were talking about fake news. They're the ones that were pushing that there need to be algorithms in Facebook and other places to sift out the fake news about, you know, that was supportive of Donald Trump. They, they were the ones talking about this, right? For a while, they were all, oh, look at all this stuff that's getting shared on social media that's not true. We need to police this. That's fake news. Donald Trump turned it around on them. They weaponized ideologically the concept of fake news. And Trump was like, oh, yeah, I can play this game, too, and I can play it better than you. And he did. And he's right. So there's all this rewriting of history going on and just such dishonesty. They're going to pretend like a 
feud that stretches back for six, seven years now has something to do with what Trump says in the last weeks, in the last year and a half even? Nothing to do with anything. No, None of this guy's social media presence that we've seen, no, none of the comments that have been made even reflected a, an awareness of the national political conversation. It was he didn't like these reporters because they because they, they wrote something that he felt humiliated by because he had harassed and stalked a woman on. But the guy's clearly, you know, he's he, from what we know, he's just a loser. He didn't have any friends. He reached out to somebody. Then he wouldn't stop harassing her. And, you know, he's a really I mean, he's a murderer, but his life is, you know, pathetic and sad. Right. And so somebody wrote some stuff about him in this paper, in this local paper that cover crime stories this is a crime story. He didn't like it. And he went and shot people. This is it's terrible. It's tragic. It's not complicated, though. But I, I actually was foolish enough for a little bit last night to think. Guy used a shotgun. It's clear this is a personal vendetta, has nothing to do with any broad sweeping political narrative. And it's just too much of a stretch for any honest person to try and make this about something bigger than this one incident. But they did. Now you get people saying journalists. I mean, that guy going on CNN and saying this is, you know, it's we're like a third world country now and journalists are under assault, under threat. No, we're not. That's an irresponsible thing to say. What it really is, is journalists don't like to be called out for things. And the journalists, what journalists like is that anyone within their own ranks, by the way, who calls out their bias and their fake news immediately has this pile on effect. And the mainstream looks to deplatform people like me and others on the right. They deplatform us and they try to find an excuse to to really stop our livelihoods. They don't like that that's being threatened now. They don't like that people have a greater say over this and, and that there's alternative voices out there that can call them out for things. So I just, man, it is such a stretch. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to spend too much more time on this, uh, although I've got a couple more a couple more buck slaps to hand out on this. It's just, it's appalling that they've made this, that the media makes this about them, but that's not surprising. Really, a lot of, and I tell you this as somebody who really knows, a lot of the worst people that you'll ever come into contact with, the smarmiest, the most self-righteous, they are journalists. I obviously have a lot of journalist friends. Some people would even consider what I do in some way maybe to be journalist-like, but not really. I'm a, you could say, a host, public policy analyst, uh, a, a ideological pugilist, I don't know. All those things. A polemicist. I'll take that one on a polemicist. I'm kind of a modern pamphleteer, right? So, uh, But I'm honest about what I do and I'm honest about what I think, unlike the mainstream media who just lies about it all the time. Uh, I want to hear your thoughts on all this and more, folks. Uh, 844-900-2825. 844-900-BUCK. We have much more coming. Stay with me. Light up those lines. You know, lone wolf actors are often alienated individuals who are looking to displace their anger and frustration onto some kind of outside entity or enemy. And I think it's worth pointing out that we've had a constant rhetoric coming, even from the president, that the press is the enemy of the people. That's been repeated constantly. And I think it's worth noting that if there is a link here uh, that the publication was being targeted, that that kind of rhetoric can be very dangerous. No link. There is no link. No reasonable person could say there's a link between Trump or, quite honestly, any of the stuff that uh, has been happening in recent weeks and this shooting. 
There's just no, it's just obvious. This is an old school feud, you know, that stretches back for years, as I've been saying. But they're desperate to create the perception of a link. And why is that? Well, because anything to hurt Trump, anything to hit this administration, it really, it really is a, uh, it's a, it's an obsession. It's a, it's turned into a compulsion now. Like, I actually think that there are people in the media who are so opposed to this administration, what it's doing, that they can't help it anymore. Like, they can't control their anti-Trump hatred. It it takes over the, the synapses, you know, in their brains. It's just, this is now who they are which I think is a real shame, obviously. And it's also really, you want to talk about dangerous for the country? I think that's very dangerous. Uh, I think that's very dangerous indeed. By the way, one thing that we will, uh, I didn't mention this yet, and we'll get into this on the show. Um, I'm going to take you to the uh, new, uh, some of the new arguments that are being made about why Trump shouldn't get a Supreme Court nominee that he wants. There's no real argument. They're just, they're just trying to come up with stuff. But they're like, yeah, like we're going to figure that. no. No, you're not. But they're they're trying all kinds of stuff now. There's a there's a desperation. But remember, desperate, desperate folks can be dangerous. So there's a desperation. in The arguments. One of my favorites now is, oh, he might pardon himself. So that means he can't put somebody that he likes on the court because that affects whether he could part. I'm like, what is this? It's not even a, it's a thing that people shouldn't say out loud, honestly, for their own sake. Oh, also, my uh, my old thesis and not that he's old. Although he did teach for over 40 years and is, he's got some years on me. Uh, but my thesis advisor, uh, Professor Hadley Arkes, who is a conservative, old school, natural law, conservative constitutionalist, uh, formerly friends of uh, Justice, personal friends of Justice Antonin Scalia, um, was actually one of Scalia's daughter's thesis advisors, as well as you know, she was a friend of mine at the time, too. Uh, he'll be joining in the third hour of the show today. We got Professor Arkes. He's gonna put down the uh, put down the Chivas Regal and his copy of you know Thomas Jefferson's letters or whatever he's reading, and he's gonna call in and hang out with us for a little bit, which I'm excited about because I've talked about Arkes before. Um, so we'll get to that. And uh, yeah, we've got a lot of things. Oh, and the ICE Immigrations and Customs Enforcement banish. Line. They want to banish ICE, abolish ICE. Oh, no, I guess abolish, not banish. Banish should be sending them somewhere else. You are banished ICE to Canada. And Canada would be like, hey, why are you sending all these government employees to us? I mean, we'll find them jobs because we're Canada, but yeah, no, they're going to abolish it, though. They want to get rid of immigration and customs enforcement. So I thought that was another thing that's too crazy. By the way, they keep ratcheting up the crazy just when I think they've probably gone too far and gotten too well. By the way, please light up the lines, folks, because my voice is about to crack today because i've been going too hard too long this week 844-900-2825 we'll take some calls if you call in he's holding the line for america buck sexton is back the senate which should be acting in, in, in a responsible fashion uh, both Democrats and Republicans have already seen uh, a fit to think about a potential constitutional crisis. I have a bipartisan bill with Lindsey Graham uh, that passed out of the Judiciary Committee trying to protect the special counsel and this investigation. And here we have relevant facts that might come before the Supreme Court, like I mentioned before, 
that uh, should this president be able to put people in place that could then come back and protect him, uh, uh, a president who's asked for loyalty tests, asked for a litmus test such as that. And I just, again, think that that is imprudent and we shouldn't do it. So one of the arguments you're hearing here, because the president can appoint it, we all know this, right? Here's the process. The president gets to pick a judge. Senate gets to confirm the judge. That is the process. And there is no longer a filibuster to stop the judge from going through, which means that you have 51 votes. You're good to go. So there's nothing really. If Republicans don't sell out. And by the way, Jeff Flake has been making, according to reports I just saw today, making the rounds at CNN, MSNBC. Don't think that I don't think that he's above making a big splash on his way out. Think about what a hero he would be at MSNBC or CNN if he was the vote that stopped a conservative constitutionalist from getting through before the midterms. Think about what a hero he'd be. And by the way, what what zeros might be added to his paycheck? Because he wants to be a contributor. He's not going to be a senator anymore. He's not running again. This is everybody that, you know, cable news now runs the country. So everybody wants to be on cable news all the time. Uh, And Flake, this guy, I do not trust this guy at all. But Cory Booker, we just heard from him a moment ago. Cory Booker's out there saying that that uh, the problem here is and this is just it's I give them points for creativity, but not for intellectual honesty. The problem is that if Trump picks somebody that he likes, maybe that person on the Supreme Court will then help Trump out when it comes time to pardon himself or when it comes to unconstitutional actions. Think about what this. So then what does that mean? We have to pick a judge, a judge who doesn't like the sitting president. How would you even find that out? It seems to me like if you take Cory Booker seriously, he just thinks that the president shouldn't be able to pick a judge because he says because he says so. Cory Booker says so. There's no constitutional argument here. There's no legal argument here. There's just a wah, wah, wah. He's upset. Doesn't like it. The libs don't the libs don't like what's going on here. And they shouldn't because they're in for a rude awakening. They are in for a rude awakening. Um, that much, I think, is quite clear. But, you know, the, the notion that uh, that the president will put someone in place who will protect him. And so we have to stop him because of that. This just is this is just unserious. But there's a lot of unseriousness right now from Democrats who are grasping at straws to try to come up with an explanation as to why they or how they will stop this, why they will stop this uh, from becoming a reality. You know, getting a Gorsuch like nominee uh, through um, and that, I think, is. Showing the amount of desperation they have, they can't even come up with a coherent resist strategy, and they also don't really care all that much for the facts about what happened with the filibuster in the past and what the truth is about judicial nominations and the processes around them, including, for example, uh, Kristen Gil- Gillibrand. She's going to make a couple of appearances on today's show. She is really unimpressive, folks. I'm starting to think that Gillibrand may be the Anna Navarro of the Senate, which is not good. Just going to put that out there. Uh, But here's what she said on. I will. Hey, bro, Cuomo. Bro, Cuomo put down the uh, the weight gainer for a second and actually had something to say here. He's like, whoa, hold on. Hold on. Let me put down these plates, you know. Let me let me take off my uh, my wrist straps and, you know, my weight belt. 
because you said something that's wrong here. Uh, but here's what Gillibrand said. It was pretty outrageously dumb. But Gorsuch talked that talk. Conservative. Gorsuch. And nobody believed him. No one believed him. Still got the votes. He didn't get a vote from one Democrat. And I believe now that we've seen what Gorsuch has done on this court, he's already undermined women's rights. He's already undermined union rights. Didn't, do. didn't he, are you right that he didn't get one vote? Didn't he get three? Didn't he get he Manchin? He got no Democratic votes. He no, didn't get Manchin, Heitkamp? He did not. They, they, they stood strong and they passed it with Republican votes. Oh, I thought he got three, by the way. Did, you might be right, Chris. He's right. Oh, yeah, he's right. She is a senator who is opining on how Republicans just were in lockstep and not a single Democrat voted for Gorsuch, blah, blah, blah. This is central to the segment that she's doing on on CNN. And she doesn't know what she's talking about. This would be like if I went on TV and talked about, you know, Buck's hair care regimen. And I said that I'm all about using moose when anyone knows that I'm much more of a molding wax guy. Needs a haircut. Needs a haircut. Thank you, John. You know, I should know about that, right? I should know more about that than other folks. She's on the Senate. She is a sitting senator from the state of New York, which New York, come on. Got to do better than this. Got to do better than this. Uh, But. She look, I understand anyone can get something wrong on TV. I've, I've said stuff that's wrong. I mean, rarely, but I've said stuff that wasn't, you know, that I had to correct later or that wasn't accurate. It's just going to happen to people. But you would think, or at least I would think that if you were going to weigh in on this specific issue, you would have some idea of what you're talking about. And then I just love that She's like, no, Chris. And he's like, actually, I'm pretty sure. I, look, I, by the way, you're probably thinking to yourself that, uh, Wow, Cuomo just pulled that out of thin air. He must really pay attention. Don't ever forget this, folks. They have an earpiece in, the anchors at CNN and and elsewhere. They have an earpiece in. And on issues like that, oftentimes the control room, which is full of producers who work on the show, will get in the ear, which is how we say it, of the anchor and tell them things to make the anchor look smart. So did Cuomo just know that, or were they saying Donnelly Hydecat Mansion, Donnelly Hydecat Mansion in his ear? I would bet, I would bet you uh, some some moolah that uh, sure enough, they were saying that in his ear. Nonetheless, you'll notice that she kind of doubled down. She's like, "No, Chris, that's not true." I gotta get a. It's not. It's not really easy to do an impression of uh, an impression of Gillibrand because it's just there's not much to work with there. I don't think there's all that much going on, if you know what I mean. I, I know, I know, you get mad at me, but it's it's true. You can get mad at me, but I think I'm right. So there's that. Yeah, J- Gillibrand, she uh, she went off the rails there for sure. Um, oh, by the way, McConnell. McConnell's just been doing, like, mic drops, and he's just been pouring out Cristal, and he's been rocking out because McConnell is, like, the hero of the moment here, and he knows it, right? He, uh, he, he This is how he responded to Gillibrand saying, that there should be no that they shouldn't put forward a Supreme Court nominee. Here's what McConnell said about that. Mitch McConnell has set the rules. He said we will not allow a Supreme Court justice during election year. Well, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. We should not allow a justice in an election year. Uh, what I said in 2016 is that we shouldn't fill a Supreme Court vacancy in the middle of a presidential election year. Uh, the last time I looked, uh, 
there is no presidential election this year, and in fact, three current members of the U.S. Supreme Court were uh, completed in election years, non-presidential election years, and the president's nominee to this Kennedy vacancy will be confirmed in a non-presidential election year. McConnell just gave out a McConnell slap, I guess. Um, Oh, a Mitch slap. What? Mitch McConnell. I'm Buck. He's Mitch. It's a Mitch slap. I think that's allowed. Um, Yeah, so he's he's doing his thing. He's laying it down. He's just like, look, we have the, uh, you know, we, we have the wherewithal here to just look at the facts. We can Google this stuff. I th- I can't remember if it was Kagan or Sotomayor was in a, was in a midterm election, and anybody who's talking about how we need a middle of the road, Kagan Sotomayor when, when the left wants to replace one of theirs, they go hard left, right? There's no there's no question about it. If you look back at recent Supreme Court justices who have retired, what you'll see is that there are actually uh, there are actually some that were appointed by Republicans who turned out to be you know like I, Reagan. I think, did Reagan do, uh, uh, producer Tim, did Reagan do uh, Souter? I think Reagan appointed uh, Souter. You check that one for me to make sure I'm right on that. I think that's right, um, which is a big, big no-no. That was a bad move. Look, Dutch was great. We know in so many ways. But he, he's not, a, not perfect. No one's perfect. Um, I think that he was going to put Souter. Anyway. Uh, the Republicans should get their nominee here, uh, or the tr- Trump should get his nominee, or the Republicans should put him through. There's really, n- we're gonna have to talk about this a lot, but there's really not that much to talk about in the sense that this should just happen, right? This has just happened. Oh, you want to hear somebody just go crazy for a second? Because why not? It's Friday. Chris Matthews is gonna yell about stuff. He's really upset about the things. He's uh, Chris Matthews. Because this is time for vengeance for what happened two years ago. And if you win or lose, I don't think you can have a vote on the Supreme Court with a 50 to 49 vote. It's an absurdity. It's one thing to get rid of the uh, filibuster rule. But to allow it to be decided on a 50 to 49 margin, something that's going to affect this country for 30 years is a travesty. Yeah, the Supreme Court's partisan against us. This is the big one for us. We've got to stop this. So, Chris, I think it's going to be almost like Spanish Civil War stuff. You watch. But if he he picks a candidate like that who's so adverse to the legacy of uh, Anthony Kennedy, that's the scare. And that's why I think the Democrats would be very wise not to let this thing get anywhere near a vote before November. But if he gets replaced by a hardline social conservative, it is the Democratic leadership will have hell to pay. They cannot let this happen. They have to play hardball. They've got to do exactly to the other side what Mitch McConnell did to them. Play hardball and win. They're tired but, of but losing. Chris, but Chris, I think what I'm, what, I'm trying to, it, what I'm trying to get to the bottom, what, what I'm trying to get this. It's his but... job to do it. It's not about fired up. I mean, Chris Matthews is the political analysis equivalent here of a guy at the end of the bar who's picking a fight with an empty chair. All right, you're looking at me? Yeah, you're looking at me? You want a piece, you want a piece of this? Who wants a piece of, of you? Me. With you, piece of. Yeah, that's what's happening here. How, how are they going to stop this? They're going to stand up and spin a civil war. What does that even mean? What are they, they going to just the senators are all going to claim they got to take potty breaks at the same time so they can't do anything. I mean, what are they really going to do? 
Doesn't make any sense to me. Doesn't make any sense to Matthews either. He's got no idea who's talking about it. It's just bla- it's just blather. It is absolute blather. Who did we find out, by the way, that blather rhymed with the other day? What was it? That's right, Dan Blather instead of Dan Rather. Thank you. That was fun. Um, I, I enjoyed that I uh, having remembered what a uh, what a DB Dan Rather was back in the day. It was fun to uh, throw out a tweet about how now that we see that he's just a straight up leftist, I was able to retweet something that you know got like thousands of retweets. Where I was just like, it's a good thing that. We weren't lied to about how this guy had no political ideology and wasn't a propagandist for decades. You know, and everyone's like, yep, Dan Rather, Dan Blather. Uh, his career ended in a way that it did only because he was pulling stuff like that long before they finally figured it out. All right, I would like to take some calls after the break uh, to hear from all of you to preserve my voice and to preserve our collective sanity. 844 900. Oh, I gave out the wrong number before wow that's how tired i am i'm so sorry guys. i was wondering i was like why are we getting more calls because i because i gave out the wrong number 844-900-2825-844-900 buck i gave you know what it was man i remember the old blaze number and i started to give out the old blaze radio number that's what that was because john was john started the blaze radio with me i mean i started with him at blaze radio so I'm really tired. I see John. I'm just like, 888 Blaze, you know, I'm Dallas, Mercury Blaze. I'm like, I'm I'm forgetting things. Oh, and now all the lines are lighting up. 888-844-900-2825. fuck. I can't I'm literally sitting here. I'm like, it's Friday, guys. Usually we could take calls for the entire show if we wanted to. And we've got like a call in from somebody who actually knows the number. And now that I tell you the right number, all the lines are lighting up simultaneously. So there we go. Mystery solved. 844-900-2825. We'll be right back. I've been arguing for, I don't know how many years now, the president needs a phalanx, as in the Roman times, a bunch of soldiers that are at the front ranks ready to take on the enemy and charge. And here you see them doing it. Harry Reid has guts because he's basically saying it's better to get something done than just pretend to be Senate Majority Leader. He's not interested in the form of being a Senate leader. He wants to be the leader. I'm telling you, this is going to be a day we're all going to remember. Ugh. You know, you can play all these clips to remind folks of the history of what really happened with the filibuster and filibuster reform and the nuclear option. That's what it was called, right? The nuclear option. Harry Reid did it. And now they're all like, no, he didn't. Somebody else did it. Chris Matthews just like, yeah, who wants to yeah, I'm gonna headbutt everyone? I'm going to headbutt all of them. Ah, Chris Matthews, why am I yelling? I mean, it's just there's a lot of that going on. Uh, let's get... Dr. Rick for a diagnosis from Maryland. What up, Dr. Rick? Hey, Shields High. Um, Shields High. Look, you know, I think years from now, when they look back on this, they will they will use this as one of the best examples of, um, you know, cognitive bias that you can look at. I mean, I, you know, I, I think some people clearly know and, and are lying for, you know, per, you know, ulterior purposes like ratings and so forth. But, you know, even the people who are not in the media that I interact with truly believe these things. They are so blinded by utter rage and upset that it, and it's even getting to, to greater, greater lengths of distortion 
of what they have to do. But um, you know, and they get and they will get fiercely angry when you just mention to them the facts. So yeah, I think we have a good example of how you know fragile our perceptions can be. Oh yes, and 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 Doc, I mean, when when people feel like a fund something that they hold as a fundamental truth about themselves is challenged, the reaction can be uh, volatile. It can be violent, and that's my concern. And as you pointed out very well, and others have, the violence in truth is far more to conservatives. But when I try to say these things, I was in a faculty lunch today when they were talking about just what such a decent man um, um, Biden was, and I, I didn't say. Well, have you heard how he's treated women? I didn't even bother. And they truly believe it. Everyone's nodding their head and blood dripping out the side of my mouth because I'm biting my lip. Yeah. Well, Doc, keep fighting the good fight in the faculty lounge for us. Thanks for calling in, buddy. Team, a big second hour coming up. Do they really want to abolish ICE? We'll see. If you've ever found yourself wincing at the weak taste of coffee from one of those left-leaning commie coffees, you probably thought, I wish they spent less time on meaningless bias training, bathroom policy reform, and other things that defy common sense, and more time on their coffee. That's why you need Black Rifle Coffee. Folks, I drink Black Rifle Coffee in my office in D.C. in the swamp every single day. Literally the first thing that I do when I go into the office is grab my K-cups of Black Rifle and make myself a nice cup of joe for the morning. It is delicious. The quality of the coffee is first-rate. And also, I know that I'm supporting veterans. I'm supporting a great company that's all about patriotism and supporting their fellow veterans by hiring them and also helping businesses run by veterans outside of coffee. So check it out for yourself. Visit BlackRifleCoffee.com slash Buck. Receive 15% off your order. That's BlackRifleCoffee.com slash Buck. For 15% off, BlackRifleCoffee.com slash Buck. Buck Sexton. Permission decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. One small thing. Make no mistake. America. Ready. Great. You're a great American. Again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Mr. President, will you stop calling us the enemy of the people, sir? Will you stop calling the press the enemy of the people, sir? Mr. President, will you stop calling the press the enemy of the people, sir? That's CNN's objective, nonpartisan, senior White House correspondent, Jim Acosta, screaming out. I mean, this is it's not really a question, right? It's it's just theater. He's engaged in political theater. Will you stop calling us the enemy of the people? One, what does that have to do with anything? Two, he knows the president can't hear him. He's not going to answer the question. He's screaming from across the room. And three, it's very obvious from the question that Jim Acosta has opposed the administration. So why do we have to go through this uh, charade with CNN acting? I mean, that's who they're putting in the White House, a partisan. They have partisans. They have left-wing activists posing as journalists going after this administration all the time. I was speaking to people in D.C., people who were on the uh, civil service side of things. And they were saying that they're appalled at how Trump people are hounded and harassed and followed around the city now. Some of it you hear about, some of it you don't. But, but yeah, Jim Acosta is the big victim. He, that's where the real concern is. He's the, you know, that's the big issue. Oh no, Acosta. 
I just had to play it. I wanted to play it before, but we got, I got diverted into some other things. We got a bunch of lines. Let's get some calls still. Lisa in California. Hello. Hello, Buck. Go Team Buck. How are Go you? Go Team Buck. I'm good, Lisa. I haven't heard from you in a while. What's going on? Right. OSS Lisa out in Cali. Yep. Uh, I just wanted to say that the left promised to stop Trump from the very beginning. And so now every time we get a win, they're just pushing further and further to the left until they're now in fantasy land. And Tom Arnold being the, like the spokesperson of how crazy the left can get, he's nuts. And he believes in every conspiracy theory out there. And I didn't believe in Trump you told me to believe. I voted for him, and I'm so glad I listened to you. Woo! Another satisfied customer. All right. <laughs> yeah, I, look, I I, I I, thought it was the right move at the time. I was open about it. I, I tried to convince as many of Team Buck as possible to vote for Trump. Even Look, we had a lot of Cruz supporters, even a couple of rogue Kasich supporters in the audience here and there. And I just said, guys, we got to, you know, rally behind our rally behind our party, rally behind our future president. And it was 100 percent the right move. I'm usually politicians disappoint me. I got to say this, Lisa, usually, you know, I, I, I vote for someone. They go and look, Bush disappointed me. I'm not saying he's a bad guy. I'm not saying I, I didn't like the you know, didn't like the Bush presidency overall. But there were some big disappointments. And, you know, Bush was bad on the border. He was bad on spending. He really wasn't particularly conservative. I mean, so that's you got to start with that. He was kind of culturally conservative in some ways. But on a policy level, he was not conservative in many ways. Um, but with Trump, he's actually exceeding my expectations constantly. Yeah. Trump's actually outperforming what I thought he'd be able to do. And for me, for a politician to, to see a politician do that, that's just. That's just nuts. Like I, I never seen, I've never seen that before in my lifetime. A politician who has gone way beyond what I thought he'd be able to do, and, and I was hoping for the best. And and fingers crossed that Trump would do well. He's done very well. Um, you picked it, baby. You did it. All right, high five, Lisa. Well, you hey, you you voted for him too, so you're on the you're on the train right there with me. Toot toot. Woo-hoo. That's right, Thanks. the Trump train, baby, like a freight train for America squashing statism and the mainstream media. It's amazing. That'd be actually a pretty good cartoon. I, I wish if I was better at drawing things, I would be a political cartoonist. I'm good with memes. I'm good at memes, although I don't, I don't have the time to make that many memes these days. I really want to do a Shields High podcast, but I just so labor intensive. I have no time. I can barely, I can't even remember the, the phone number for my own radio show right now. I'm so tired. By the way, if you don't know, the reason I'm so tired is because hill.tv slash rising the show on uh, our TV show for the hill.com launched this week and or no. Oh my gosh. The th- like the third week, Buck, get it together. Uh, but it was on, on every day this week. And it means that my day starts at 5 AM and goes until 9 PM. <laughs> that is my daily schedule. Yeah. Uh, and I came straight from DC today. So yeah, you can, that's why I'm, I'm yeah, man, I'm just keeping it together here in the hut. Rachel in uh, in California. Hey, Rachel. Hello. Hello. Oh, hello. Hi. So um, asking something different than I said I would. Sorry. No, that's okay. fine. Okay. So all the like progressive and closet socialists want to wait until the elections to put um, uh, or to vote for the new Supreme Court justice. Yep. But what happens if it come November, like, 
the Republicans are still the majority? Like, what are they going to say then? Is that am I understanding it right? Yeah, no, you're absolutely understanding it right. Um, Even if we waited till after the midterms, let's say we waited till after the midterms, which is a terrible idea. But if we did that, if the Republicans did that, um, yeah, that well, then then you would just have the argument that uh, they would say that you need to replace a centrist with a centrist, that that Kennedy's a centrist and that the balance of the court. But this is just all a construct. This is just what they like. There's no governmental constitutional rationalization for this. It's just, yeah, we like this. This is how it was. So this is how it should be. Uh, not the case. And we know that when the left when the left has had opportunities to put judges in the court in recent years, they have gone all in with hard left activists. I mean, the kind of people that legislate from the bench and they've got no qualms about it. So they go right for it. So, but yes, uh, Rachel, to answer your question, if they got someone, uh, if they could get somebody after or rather if they could make us wait until after the midterms, they would just end up with a hopefully somebody from the Trump list anyway. So that's why they're trying to create some kind of a a false sense of fair play that we should wait till after this midterm election. I can't remember if it was Kagan or Sotomayor, but in the last midterm or, or in, it, one of them was was, in fact, confirmed during a midterm. So that's just yeah. a not it's not even a rule that people pretend is a rule that's just made up. Does that answer right. the question, Rachel? Gotcha. Yes, it did. Thank you so much. All right, thank you so much for calling from California. I appreciate it. Should ICE be abolished? It's the kind of, the answer, of course, is no. But should people even say that or, or why are people saying it? How could anyone take that position? It's so it's so crazy, right? It's so self-defeating. Well, people are saying it, believe it or not. This is becoming increasingly uh, something that you're hearing from Democrat politicians. And, and Gillibrand, do we have her saying it, by the way, John? Can we try to find uh, Kirsten? Kirsten Gillibrand said we need to abolish ICE recently. Oh, you know who else did? Cynthia uh, Nixon, who is running for governor in New York against Bro Cuomo's bro. See what I did there? That's what it's Bro Cuomo's bro. Uh, but Cynthia Nixon also has called for about the, abolishing ICE. You know, I know we're going to get to it. I'm, I'm trying to get people, John, I'm trying to get, you know, try to pull them through the break here. You know, it's a little radio artistry. I got to tell them what we're going to talk about and get them all ready. Ooh, what's he going to talk? And then, ah, I got to go to a quick break for a second because we got bills to pay. And then I come back and, ooh, and then I give them all this stuff. And then, ah, I got to tell them what's coming up next after that. This is hashtag radio skills with a Z. Uh, oh, by the way, speaking of skills, if you want to call in, I'm actually going to give you the right phone number this time. 844-900-2825, 844-900-BUCK. Abolish ICE. It's crazy. Why are they saying it? I'll answer that crazy question after the break. Dogs got a lot of energy, right? That's a good thing, usually. You want a dog to have energy, to feel feisty and get out there in the yard and run around. But here's a problem. Digging. If your dog can dig under your fence, that's a safety hazard for the dog. And it also means that the bad animals in your neighborhood, raccoons, foxes, things that are predators, they can get under your fence. Have to deal with this problem, folks? Well, I've got the solution for you. Dig defense. It's genius. It solves a major problem that a lot of pet owners have. Digging. Dig defense extends the protection of your fence underground. No amount of digging is going to let the pets out or let predators in. And that's where this uh, is just absolutely essential for you. It keeps your furry kids safe. Comes in a bunch of different models and sizes. You can install it with a hammer and a pair of gloves. Available online at Lowe's, Menards, Wayfair, and StopTheDig.com. Again, StopTheDig.com because Dig Defense 
is the solution to pets digging under the fence and getting out or letting predators in. committing human rights abuses on this border and separating children from their families. And uh, that, you know, is, is part of the structure of the agency. We can replace it and we can replace it with a humane agency. I don't think ICE today is working as intended. Well, you think I you believe, should get rid of the agency? I believe that it has become a deportation force. Um, and I think you should separate the criminal justice from the immigration issues. And I think you should reimagine ICE. ICE was established in 2003, right at the same time as the Patriot Act, the AUMF, the Iraq War. And we look back at a lot of that time and legislation as a, as a mistake now. There you have a whole bunch of folks saying that we should abolish the Immigrations and Customs Enforcement Agency. Abolish it. Get rid of it. This is real close to just outright open borders advocacy. And that was uh, Kirsten Gillibrand, by the way, who also came out and said that we should abolish ICE. This is, folks, this is very important. And this is what I've been saying to you all along. The answer to the question, who doesn't get to stay, according to Democrats, once someone comes into this country, who doesn't get to stay? The answer is everyone gets to stay. Everyone gets to stay. They will not tell you, oh, well, no, if you if you violated ever illegal aliens, they don't want them deported. They want them to stay. Doesn't matter if they've been here for five years or five minutes. They want them to stay. This is as close to open borders advocacy as anything you've ever seen. By the way, no other country in the world does this. They always talk about, oh, you know, American norms and firearms and all these other things that we do. They're so, oh, you know, why do we have so much more violence than the rest of the industrialized world? All that stuff you hear. Find me a country that is wealthy and orderly. That allows anyone who shows up and sneaks into the country to stay, to access welfare benefits, to become a part of the country. Right? Find me that country and uh, I will give you a prize because it doesn't exist. does not exist. Even our Canadian friends in the North have a point system, right? Uh, but we have been taken advantage of. The media has been lying to us about this. Uh, we have been taken advantage of. There are people that are claiming asylum that are not really asylum seekers. But back to uh, the, the abolishing ICE point, though, for a moment here. You heard there some of the rhetoric, and this is being repeated now. This is a talking point. This is a slogan. It's catching on among Democrats. Just in, just in time for the midterms, too. Replace ICE with something more humane. By the way, does that mean they're going to fire all those federal workers? That would be kind of a shock, right? Think of all the federal bureaucracies that are out there. This is the first time in my lifetime that I can remember that Democrats have ever wanted to get rid of a federal government agency. And it's the one that is, in many ways, uh, among those most needed at this point in time. 
because if we don't if we don't turn back the tide at this point of illegal aliens coming into the country, uh, we aren't going to have a country much longer. Trump is right when he says that. You are going to dissolve the bonds of citizenship that people feel with their country. This is just going to turn into a an economic arrangement. And you know what? People won't people won't put on a uniform and and risk their lives, give their lives to defend an economic arrangement. They'll defend a country. They'll defend a community of citizens. Um, and that's not that's not where we're heading if this continues on. But if I had told you that even five years ago, that there would be prominent Democrats, including a, a sitting senator in the Democrat Party, who is talked about as a likely presidential candidate saying abolish immigrations and customs enforcement, you would have said, Buck, that's no way, no way that would happen. Come on. That's just silly. You're just being silly. Well, now we're already there. What was unthinkable for the left a few years ago has now become dogma. It's not even just that they'll do it. It's dogma. This is what you are hearing now. It is open. They are repeating it. They are using it as a political wedge. I also think this note, replace ICE with something more, immigrations and customs enforcement with something more humane. What does that mean? What does that even mean? Something more humane? No more deportations? Separate out the law enforcement function from the uh, the immigrations function? Well, why would we do that? Who Who wants to be a part of the detainee only or the uh, deportation only function? Already, you have a lot of animosity from the Democrats toward uh, people who are part of Border Patrol, a lot of animosity toward people who are part of Immigration and Customs Enforcement. You had a, uh, a protest with a lot of people arrested in the Capitol building in, D- in D.C., uh, including elected members of Congress talking about abolish ICE, abolish ICE. You know, you'd think that given all the problems that we have in this country, given all the challenges that we face, you would think that maybe the Democrat Party could find something to rally around, something to get them energized and mobilized that was about Americans. I can't help but look at this and think to myself that the political elites and the media take some perverse pleasure in trying to advance the interests of non-Americans over Americans. What is it about their worldview? What is it about the way they see themselves? I mean, they there are so many people in this country that need help. There there are people who are um, in poverty, who are struggling, who are addiction alone is a massive, not just public health crisis, but a massive social challenge for this country, too. Um, the substances now that are commonplace in these cases of addiction, fentanyl and heroin and, and other opioids, uh, they are potent beyond anything that we had seen until until now. And they are deadly. And yet, now as we look at this, we find ourselves forced to grapple with a Democrat Party that would rather talk about how those who have just arrived here are the biggest single issue that deserves their attention. Uh, This is a a delusion. But you know what? The problem is they can't. I've realized this, too. To be fair to Democrats, they have no economic argument to make. They cannot make an economic argument because they would have to do essentially what Pelosi does, which is to say, 
You don't, you don't like all that prosperity. You don't want to keep all that money. Actually, no. I think people do like to have more of their own money. I think people do believe that they uh, should be able to keep more of what they earn. I think they disagree with Nancy Pelosi on this. I think they disagree with the Democrats who think that success and hard work should be punished. And that greater redistribution of wealth is somehow going to bring about a better society. If it were actually redistributing wealth, they'd have a better shot. But you know what they do? They redistribute earnings, folks. It's a very important distinction. They redistribute what you are working hard to make. They're not looking at who's really rich and who's actually got, you know, sitting on a lot of cash because that's a lot of Democrats. Trust me, Pelosi doesn't want to pay a percentage of her net worth. She's fine with paying a high percentage based on income that she's getting from assets that are producing income. You know, she's not sweating it out in some uh, kitchen somewhere or, you know, doing drywall repair or something far from it. But you who work for a living or you who are trying to support your family, uh, you know, y- y- your your earnings, if they're if you're they're really going to have the, the country that Bernie Sanders thinks that we should have with a massive European style social welfare state. Here's the big lie behind all that. Not only will it bankrupt us over the long run and put tremendous uh, constraints on our economy. It would mean that the middle class would have to pay much higher taxes because that's what happens in states like Denmark and Sweden and others. Everybody pays 60, 65, 70 percent. Everybody pays a lot in taxes. I don't think that's a winning message for the Democrats. I really don't. Um, And that's why. But they don't even talk about the economy right now because they got nothing. They got nothing. What are they going to say? Aren't you tired of winning yet? I mean, that's what the Democrats slogan going into for the on the economy, at least. That's what the slogan is going into the midterms. Aren't you tired of winning? Don't you want to share the share the winning, spread the winning around a little bit? Nope, we don't. If you think having your credit card stolen is bad, it's nothing compared to home title theft. Everything is online these days. That includes your home's title. And thieves at home and all over the world hunt homeowners here in America because we have equity. And guess what? They'll steal that equity. They will take you off your home's title and add an alias, then borrow hundreds of thousands of dollars using your home's equity and then sticking you with the payments. You're not going to know until you get a late payment notice. Identity theft programs don't protect you. Neither does insurance. But Home Title Lock safeguards your home's title from cyber thieves and hackers by putting an online perimeter around your home's title. The instant they detect someone tampering with it, they're on it. They'll help you. They'll shut it down. This is for pennies a day, folks. Home Title Lock protects your most valuable asset, your home. Register for a free analysis to see if your home's title has been compromised. That's a $60 value free. Visit HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. He's back with you now, because when it comes to the fight for truth, the buck never stops. Hey, let's take uh, Jess in Denver. Hey, Jess. Uh, long time no talk to you. Hey, thanks, um, thanks for calling in. I'm your friend that uh, send you Spain information. I hope you and Molly get to visit some point. Oh, yes. Thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome. I wanted to talk to you about the... Um, uh, about rising, and at first I really did not like it because Kristen, Crystal's East Coast nasal voice and jabs really got to me. You know, I didn't like it. Um, 
I just wanted to say that I'm liking it more because I think you're holding your ground and I think you are such a gentleman, you know, you didn't want to kind of step on her feet. But I just wanted to say about today's show was off the wall awesome. Let me tell you, uh, Tara, I haven't seen her since The Real News, and she is so fabulous. Isn't oh she the best? Gosh. She's great. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big, Tara's a good friend of mine, and I'm a Tara, I'm a Tara fan, too. Oh, my gosh. So I just wanted to tell you, that was a real, I think I had a real goal there with Tara, and she doesn't mind interacting with Crystal in perhaps a manner that would be in a, a little bit inappropriate for you if you're going to have a long-term relationship on the TV. <clears throat> anyway, um, nothing, just uh, get some rest, and hopefully you guys get to Spain, and congratulations, and get some rest. Thank you, Jess. Shields High, thank you so much for calling in. Uh, Juan in Texas. Juan, welcome to Freedom Hut. Thank you, Buck. How you doing? I'm good, man. Thank you for your call. Yeah, I just want to check in on the immigration thing. You know, I think the Democrats are going crazy, but I don't think it's as bad as it seems. The people I've talked to, they seem to be a lot more mainstream than what you see on the media. I mean, I don't think it, it's it's bad necessarily. They're, they're starting to realize that, that you know, the media, the, the far left are insane, and uh, it's not that bad. I think we're good. No, well, yeah, I will say this. You know, one one of the great side effects of social media is that the the game that the media likes to play about we don't have bias we don't have it's like i can i can spend 2 minutes looking at a quote objective journalist twitter account and tell you one if the person is is a democrat and pushing a pushing a partisan agenda and and two why that is right i can look right at it it's yeah. like oh yeah. you know well, one of my favorite things is you'll have some of these journalists they think they're so clever they'll just retweet all of these, like, Trump is Hitler, Trump is terrible. They won't write it themselves, but they'll be retweeting that stuff in their feeds. And then when you're like, well, you're clearly anti-Trump, they're like, no, I am not, sir. How dare you? It's like, buddy, we're not idiots. Like, we, we can read. We understand what's going on here. By the way, they Acosta, Tapper, Lemon, all of them. It's all the same thing, right? They're all doing the same dance of, oh, no, we're just journalists. Yeah, right. Okay, we, we see what goes on. Yeah, and that's from the technical background, and we had, we had four letters, A-T-F-Q, answer the freaking question. And that's what I wish the journalists, the, the media, and, and you know what? You're asked a question, answer it. Now, just dancing around BS, just answer the freaking question. All right. Juan, I hear you, man. Thank you very much for calling in. Uh, Dave in Arkansas. What's up, Dave? Not Dave in Arizona. Oh, Arizona. They wrote it wrong. I'm not so tired that I got the state. No, no, Arizona's AZ. I got it right. You wrote AR. Don't. Yeah, that's right. You're you're taking the hit on this one, producer Tim. Don't try to throw this one on tired Buck. See now, Dave, they're throwing me under the bus. Whenever I make a mistake, they're like, "No, Buck, you don't know. It's just because you're so tired." Go ahead, Dave. Now we know you're the hardest hardest working man around there. My God, you know. Uh, Thank I, you. I, I, these days, I'll actually, I'll actually take that. I'm not, I'm not going to pretend like I'm not. So thank you. <laughs> Thanks very much. What's on uh, your mind? No, don't, don't let it wear you out. Now I tell you, because we, we, I love your analysis of things, and that's what I want to get. Is you're, you know, you're an analyst, and that's a thing. You know, you said uh, yesterday you, you, you lamented that you didn't go into the military, but you did. Uh, your best service uh, is your mind, and that's what you gave uh, the country during our crisis. And that's, uh, I thank you for that. That was a great thing. To well, do. Th- well, you're very kind, sir. And it was the uh, greatest honor of my, of my lifetime to date to try and help our military in the field, 
uh, take the fight to the enemy and, and go after the bad guys. So I did get to do some of that. Well, you are, and you're still doing it with your analysis and your, your thoughts. Uh, you know, I, one of the things I, I do, I train law enforcement throughout the United States. I've called several times and I always appreciate your insight. And, you know, as I look at what's happening now with the elite and the mob hand in hand and, uh, you know, I've studied this for years uh, in terms of, like, uh, riots and crowd control and the problems facing law enforcement, and I'm more worried than ever because what we're seeing from the left isn't just uh, hyperbole. It's hysteria, and it's designed, it's aimed at one group, the mob. And, you know, this is one of the things that Hunter uh, talked about in the origins of totalitarianism is that once you get the mob, the elites, and a common enemy, that's where totalitarianism comes from. This is where the people are willing to give up everything. And our law enforcement's been trapped in the middle of eight years of a pacification of American law enforcement. Now we're seeing the agitation. And I see a lot of bad signs. I'm very concerned about the, the welfare of our, our brothers and sisters in law enforcement. And this is a, this is something I'm sure you're seeing there because you're right in the hot yeah, I, I, I have a, I'm telling you, I've been, I was actually talking to my, I'll be honest with you, Dave, I was talking to my family about it today. Um, it, it's, it feels right now, if you're in D.C. and you're a vocal Trump supporter, I don't care how well known you are uh, or, or not, you know, you just got to keep your head on a swivel. It's, there's a real, uh, there's a dark and dangerous vibe out there right now against, against the supporters of this president, never mind the president himself. And it really does. It does concern me, and I don't. I don't sit around saying stuff like that unless I really feel it. Um, and uh, uh, Dave, I, I appreciate you. By the way, um, it, you mentioned the uh, origins of totalitarianism. Hannah Arendt, actually, the first person uh, who ever assigned it to me is Professor Hadley Arkes, who's going to be joining us uh, in the third hour of the show today. We actually got my old thesis advisor to call in. You know, a little trip down memory lane. Wow. But of all of, I have read every single book Ann Coulter has ever written. I've read every single one of them. I think all twelve. Uh, I think that there's a case to me that her best book is actually demonic, which is about yes. the left and the mob. The uh, mob and the left. But yeah. she's coming in right off of Hannah Ernst and then uh, also Gustave Le Bon. There's a lot of Gustave Le Bon. And it's a very power. It's a, by the way, I would recommend that to all of you. We'll have Anne on soon. We just emailed her a week or two ago. She says hi to everybody. Excellent. Um, but uh, hey, man, uh, Dave, thank you for all your kind words, by the way. Have a great weekend. And please, uh, please come back, call in again soon. And um, by the way, everybody, we do have the. Uh, Freedom Hunt with Buck Sexton podcast up. It is out there already. It is on iTunes. It is on Stitcher. Totally free. It's like 30 minutes. This week, we do the five best martial arts movies of all time, according to Buck, uh, with some provisos in there. And also the truth about the Spanish Inquisition that you'll never hear anywhere else. And an appearance by Comrade Commie Bear. So... You want to hear any of that? It's a great thing to download and listen to, by the way, when you're just, you know, barbecuing this weekend or going to the store in the car. 30 minutes. Very, very easy. In and out. You know, it's an easy one. And uh, I'm hoping you'll also tell some folks about that one. We'll get those get those numbers up. We'll keep doing more and more and more of them. But uh, and I think it's we're going to plan to release it either Thursday or Fridays going forward. I got to figure that one out. But it is out. The Freedom Hunt with Buck Saxon. Please subscribe to that podcast and leave a review on iTunes. We'll be right back. And he said, sir, I want to thank you. You've made me a hero to my wife and to my family. I've always been a horrible investor. But this year, my 401k, think of it, is up like 46%, I think he said. 
My wife thinks I'm a genius. She thinks I'm the greatest investor for the first time in my life. And you know, in terms of value or worth, we've created $7 trillion worth of value for our country. And people don't know this. $7 trillion of value, folks. Stock market still at record high. Uh, unemployment at record low. Black and, and Hispanic unemployment in, in particular at record lows. And a, a country that has a, a dynamism and an optimism in the business sector that is driving so much prosperity. Let's call it what it is. And yet all you hear about is Russia, child-family separations. Think about the narrative of this nation that you are getting from most of the media day in and day out. Think about what they focus on. And, and then spend a moment thinking about what's actually happened that matters to you under this administration. Uh, Trump is incredible. I don't think anybody else would be able to just withstand all of the efforts and the, the constant uh, collusion against him, really, from, from the media and you know the, the Democrats. Because remember, they're not trying to beat his ideas. They're trying to ruin people's lives. I mean, they really want Trump people to get sent to prison. They want Trump people to be uh, ostracized from society. They want to kick them out of restaurants. They want to say, you can't eat the red hen. You can't get a you know, good night's sleep in your house or at your apartment because, you know, the left has stuff they want to talk to you about. You know, the left wants to yell at you. They don't want to talk to you. They want to yell at you. They want to lecture you, actually. And, you know, I sit here and I just think to myself, at what point do we realize just how crazy this is? I mean, the, the damage that has been done, in my opinion, from some of these media networks, uh, the, the damage that has resulted from their fixation, and it really is a, a bizarre and obtuse obsession with trying to bring down President Trump. It is just astonishing. Uh, they're really hurting the country, and they're okay with that. Because what you find out is that the Democrat Party is all about the emotional politics of the personal. It's, what it, it's how people feel about being Democrats. It's really not about the things that are happening in the country that are driven by politics so much as it's just I'm a Democrat because it makes me feel a certain way because I like poor people because I'm not racist because I'm uh, somebody who cares. Now, these are just feelings. These are not policies. When you actually break it down and look at what they would propose to make this a better country to live in, their ideas are generally pretty crappy. And some of the things they're most aggravated about some of the things that get them the most energized and and furious are just unimportant unimportant things you know whether there are 20 or 37 genders on the heart by the way there are two genders that's right two uh but whether they're 20 or 37 on the application for harvard university shouldn't get people as upset as it gets liberals but this is a personal branding exercise. Liberalism has become a personal branding exercise, and that's why the notion that Donald Trump comes along and not only brings prosperity to the country and is doing a very good job as president, but also calls them out for this. And this includes the media, too, but, you know, makes them, forces them to question, forces them to question 
whether these things that they've been led to believe are true about themselves by mere virtue of their participation in a political party are true or not. And that really unsettles them. People like to feel it's not just a tribal allegiance thing, although that's a part of it. People like to think that they're the good guys. And if you can come up with a conception of, you know, day to day life where all you have to do is espouse certain things. I mean, literally just say certain things in public and believe certain things about yourself and your in your political persuasions. And that makes you a good person. That's really that's really profound. That's powerful. And this is why I've been saying as well that liberalism is really it, it's a culture. It's also a religion. It is really in place of religion. And in fact, when you see those who are liberals who also claim to be very religious, uh, I think you see people who infuse their religion with their liberalism. Now, this is how you get uh, this is how you get to a place where. You have people that have climate change as something of a sacrament. I mean, climate change is, is really a, a holy mission for folks because the part of the brain for them where there should be religious belief and, and a spiritual connection to God is actually full of this cosmic mission to save the planet. Right? And, and there, there's all this crossover. I look at politics as a way of governing interactions between human beings and a society. That's how I view it. What's a good idea? What's a bad idea? What do we know about people in the past? What do we know about human nature? And how do we apply that to what's going on in the world around us? And how should we use the fact that the state is, is, is concentrated force? Once you understand the state as concentrated force and not a buddy, not a friend, not someone who's trying to give you a warm hug, you understand the need for conservatism. And that's why I think in so many ways liberalism ignores truths about human beings and it also ignores the most basic truths about the state. Um, but as I've been saying to you, the, the, the proof is in the pudding with Trump, and they don't care about that pudding. They don't care about it. It doesn't matter to them. This is all about the emotional reaction to Trumpism, not the day-to-day reality of what Trumpism has, has accomplished and what it has done. Uh, just the removal of regulations, just the erasing of... So much of the Obama legacy. I mean, I can tell you this, you know, people are very hard on some of the Trump folks for lack of uh, lack of messaging discipline. And they say they don't know what they're doing. I tell you this. The Obama administration was just full of fundamentally unserious people with unserious ideas. And we are still recovering from that in many ways. They had some some of them had had resumes and. And, and media coverage that created this facade of brilliance and intellectualism. Uh, but the truth was was far more complicated. Right? The truth was something else, which is that they were, in fact, in so many cases, people who had never had their ideas tested in the real world and didn't care to change, didn't care to change course and change their ideas when the real world actually collided with their ideology. I mean, if I could come up with one way of describing Obamaism, one way of describing what it was like for the for the eight years, it was the faculty lounge running the country. And any of you who have, although we, we're going to have Professor Arkey's joining, he's a, he's from a different kind of faculty lounge. That's right, my old thesis my old thesis advisor. He's still still out there uh, fighting for uh, the pro life cause. Still out there trying to teach people about natural natural rights and natural law and the American founding. I was a college kid. I was part of a group, an underground group. We weren't like 
you wouldn't have any weird rituals or anything, called the Committee for the American Founding. Uh, and Hadley Arkies was our, our, you know, I don't know, our patriarch, our, our leader. Um, anyway, we'll, we'll have him joining shortly, talk to us about what's going on with the Supreme Court and jurisprudence. But I just have to note, you know, you're not hearing the positives about Trump. You're not hearing what's good, what all the good that he's doing for the country. And sometimes I feel obligated to remind you about that. Uh, those of you who are listening to this who voted for Trump, you made the right move. I know that almost all of you know that, but I, I'm here to just reinforce that. It was the right decision. I voted for Trump. Most of you listening voted for Trump. Not all of you, I know. By the way, to the liberals listening, welcome. And I'm hoping I can convert you. So thank you for hanging out in the hut. And even if I don't convert you, I appreciate you hanging out with us anyway. Hope you just stay for the good ideas. Um, speaking of good ideas, Professor Arkies is joining us in just a few. Stay with me. If you're all about patriotism, first responders, and veterans, there's only one clothing brand for you. Nine Line Apparel. Nine Line is a veteran-owned and operated patriotic lifestyle brand. And the founder and CEO, by the way, is from the Special Operations Community. And many of his 150 employees are veterans and veteran spouses. So this is a company that makes great gear, makes t-shirts, polos, hoodies, sweatshirts, stuff that you're going to want to wear all year round and It's a company that takes its mission seriously of giving back to the American community in general, but also more specifically to veterans and veteran causes. Visit NineLineApparel.com to see their wide range of gear and accessories. Use the coupon code BUCK20 for 20% off your next order. Again, visit NineLineApparel.com. Use the coupon code BUCK20 for 20% off. NineLineApparel.com. Coupon code BUCK20. That'll save you 20% off your next order. Buck Sexton. Permission. Decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. Make no mistake. America. Great. You're a great American. Again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you for uh, spending your your Friday evening with me here. Uh, very much obliged by that. And uh, and I, I want to tell you, I've discussed with you in the past my experience in college with conservatism and that there was a uh, an island of sanity and a sea of liberal madness for me. And that was my thesis advisor and and a fantastic professor Hadley Arkies. Uh, he is also uh, among the very sharpest and best minds in the country on the issue of constitutional jurisprudence. And I couldn't think of a better person to talk to right now than uh, my dear professor from my college years. We actually have the man himself on the line with us right now. We have Professor Hadley Arkies. He's a professor emeritus of jurisprudence at Amherst College. And he's also the founder and director of the James Wilson Institute. Professor Arkies, it's been a while. Great to have you. Bob, this resting this this. this. Decorated uh, graduate of Regis High School and Amherst College, and now now radio. Uh, well, thanks for having me on. It's good good to be with you. What are what are your first thoughts uh, about the the opening of this seat uh, now that now that Kennedy will be retiring? Where should the minds of, of of thoughtful Americans be on this issue right now? Well, it's. Uh, First of all, he, he talking about a man who was a kind of one-man wrecking ball for our jurisprudence. Who, who, who he did some good things about federalism and, and the First Amendment, but he also just changed the culture. This is he changed our laws on matters of, of same-sex marriage and 
and, and gay rights and, um, and abortion in helping to sustain that right to abortion over the years. Uh, I, I think we're just looking for someone sensible uh, to take his place. Somebody, I, I wouldn't say an originalist, or te- I think these terms are overdone, uh, but someone who has a decent respect for the for the limits of the Constitution, but someone who is just, just has uh, some practice in in reasoning about matters of right and wrong. I I I don't think we're going to get it's some instant changes. I think we're going to see the jurisprudence that Kennedy have put in place about federalism and uh, the First Amendment. But, you know, we just had these decisions to uh, protect uh, the pro-life counseling centers from being compelled to give advertisements for abortion or the, the, the decision sustaining the right of, uh, of workers in unions uh, not to be to fund political causes to which they object. And, and we're not going to see those things change very much. And, um, and I'm afraid John Roberts is, um, is sort of disinclined to make a re- radical jumps or revisit decisions such as Obergefell in same-sex marriage, even though the decision to install same-sex marriage and bring about a revolution in our laws, that decision was made in the, in the, the, the slimmest of five to four decision with the most impassioned and forceful dissents from Justice Scalia. Um, that should not be a secure decision. And there are different ways of countering it, but I don't think uh, the political branches, the, the conservatives in Congress, have the nerve to do even the simplest things right now that could be done to start raising a challenge to it. And I don't think the court, the, the judge is going to be inclined to revisit it. I think we're going to get some judge who suits the mold of the federal society, which is good to be a, a, a sensible judge. Um, though, you know, They'll profess to be textualists, though, as with Justice Scalia, he was persistently drawn to reason beyond the text, or beyond the text of the Constitution, for the sake of explaining his judgments. And these people profess to be originalists, and yet um, when it comes to what is a religion, they're quite far from the understanding of the, the, uh, the American founders on this question. So, but we're, we're going to get it. I just uh, some very careful, thoughtful judges of a more conservative bent. Do you think that this is, and we're speaking to Professor Hadley Arkes, who was my professor at Amherst, he's a professor emeritus there and the founder and director of the James Wilson Institute. Uh, professor, you, you think that this is an opportunity to finally, in a meaningful way, turn away from the uh, the so-called jurisprudence of a living constitution? Well, uh, no, I'm, I'm not sure it is, because uh, the um, it, it, even the conservatives could not hold to the notion that uh, there are strict li- that uh, it's, it's enumerated powers that persistently going beyond enumerated powers. It's very uh, and even Scalia, you know, was, to, was sort of updating things like uh, the, the laws of search and seizure to cover to go offer protections for cell phones. So it's um, it. it it, 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 even, so even the conservatives were, were adjusting, were, were applying, not adjusting, but applying the principles of the Constitution, the new circumstances. There was much involving with the living Constitution. The question is whether you're going to uh, 
were they going to invent some new rights? And the conservatives have objected to that, but the you know if, if the, the real cure to that is not um, is, is not not inventing some limitation placed in the Constitution, but showing what is specious or wrong about this um, uh, about this new right being invoked, like the right to abortion. Do you find that the the decisions this week? I, I felt that there were a couple of ways to there were or certainly two ways to view them. These five four decisions on on unions on compelled speech for uh, pr- uh, crisis uh, pregnancy centers. Did you find that, that it was troubling that it had to be 5-4 on cases that I would think any person who was trying to apply the law as written uh, would have thought it would be 9-0? I have exactly the same reaction to it, but I think what, what, what you're seeing is uh, the two sides moving in lockstep. You say we had this... Um, the case that just exasperated uh, uh, Justice Justice Alito, but we can't that the police could not use the uh, information drawn from uh, reference points and and cell phones and smartphones for the sake of uh, tracking the movements of suspects. Uh, that 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 could cause serious damage to uh, the capacity of police to to investigate crimes and track down suspects. And yet that was done, that was accomplished with a little flip from uh, John Roberts, my friends at the Wall Street Street Journal, I'll call it kind of a legal and and, uh, political wild card. Uh, So Alita was quite baffled and exasperated by that. But in in the other cases, too, you see, it's, um, you you must counter the fact that the liberal side would take that position. And then it took a flip from John Roberts to put it across. But it is remarkable how much they have stated lockstep. But on that case of that case of the uh, uh, the, the, the pro-life clinics being compelled to advertise uh, abortion, uh, in that case it, they were it was again it was five to four, but it's it's not clear that uh, the conservative side really met the the argument made by the liberal side. I mean, uh, Justice Breyer pointed out that in case of uh, we already coerce speech. We require we require um, people people who favor abortion to give out information about the state of the child in the womb. On the other hand, we find people who favor abortion. People who favor abortion, we demand we require them not to counsel abortion in operations funded by the federal government. There are many places where we where we require people to give evidence about the pharmaceutical pro- uh, uh, products that they're they're pushing. There are many places which even the conservative side agree. We can we can require people to give speech that to 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 speak in some certain ways that wouldn't be in accord with their interests or their inclinations. So then Brian raised the question: Well, here's abortion is simply another medical practice. Why could you require another uh, a clinic to give some information about another medical practice? Well, the answer to that, the only answer that the conservatives can be given is that we don't regard the killing of an innocent being and childbirth as simply two different phases of what you call medical care. Now, they didn't give that response. And so um, you couldn't say that this case really vindicated some right not to be coerced in one speech. The only thing that accounted for the outcome of this case is that Donald Trump got to appoint a fifth judge. That uh, it was Neil Gorsuch 
rather than um, Merrick Garland. That's the only thing that, that governed the outcome of this decision. Not that, that the conservative side had a more compelling argument that the liberal side didn't meet. Professor Arkes, so, if people want to read your latest on this, because we have to, we actually have to run into a, a station break here, but if, if they want to read your latest, uh, the James Wilson Institute, is that the best place to go? Well, our first things, uh, first things, the journal on this website has a recent piece of mine put out just yesterday on that recent case. Um, so that might be the best way to do it. But I'll catch up with you at another time, guess, I guess, Buck. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. Professor Emeritus okay. of Amherst College, Hadley Arkies, everybody. Professor, always great to have you, and thank you for everything you've done. Okay, thanks so much, Buck. All right, team. Uh, there you have it. I, mean, I, I felt like I should bring on the professor, because I've talked to you guys about him before. There he is, Professor Arkies. I think he taught at Amherst for... I want to say 40 years. I mean, he was there for a, he was there for quite a stretch, and now he's down in the uh, D.C. area. He has been a, I can tell you this, he's been a warrior for life, my friends, for a very, very long time on the ideological battlefield. So it's fun to have the professor joining uh, a trip down memory lane for me. All right, let's talk about the, the loony left. They're crazy. That's coming up. The FBI calls home title theft one of the fastest growing crimes. Embrace yourself because having your credit card stolen is nothing compared to the hell you're in for once an identity thief takes control of your home's title. Look, I'm particularly sensitive to this stuff. I just had my credit card stolen this week. How did somebody get it? Almost certainly online. This stuff is sold on the dark web, folks. But credit card is bad. Home title, way worse. What the thieves do is replace your name with an alias, and then they can borrow every penny against the equity in your home. You only find out when you start getting bills for a loan you never took out. Don't let this nightmare become real, folks. Go check out for yourself what Home Title Lock can do for you. For just pennies a day, Home Title Lock protects my most valuable asset, my family's home. Register now for a free analysis and discover if your home's title has been compromised. That is a $60 value free Visit HomeTitleLock.com. Again, that's HomeTitleLock.com for a free analysis. HomeTitleLock.com. A few years ago, ideas that we talked about were thought to be fringe ideas, radical ideas, they still are. extremist ideas. Those ideas are now mainstream. I, I, I oh. just don't even know why there aren't uprisings all over the country. And if you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd. And you push back on them. And you tell them they're not welcome. Do something about your dad's immigration practices, you feckless c- What's Uncle Tom but for white women who disappoint other white women? One way you get rid of Trump is a crashing economy, so please bring on the recession. When was the last time an actor assassinated a president? I have thought an awful lot about blowing up the White House. All the left has to do to be competitive in the midterms is not be crazy and they can't do it. That was that was an ad put out by the RNC. I think it's very, very effective. Those are all moments of prominent people on the left just saying completely bonkers, nutso level stuff. I mean, just completely out of their heads. 
right? It's just the stuff that they are saying is is unacceptable and just unfounded too. It's not even just that they're too strident in their rhetoric. It's just that they don't they're disconnected from reality, right? They're not even dealing with the country as it is. They're dealing with some other make-believe country in their heads. Um, and, you know, th- this is where I say that they have the media on their side. They have academia on their side. They have the federal bureaucracy on their side. It, it should be so easy. And I-, I feel like Democrats never take stock. They never stop and think to themselves, hey, hold on, hold on a second. You know, maybe if our ideas were so good, We wouldn't have just gotten our butts kicked in an electoral landslide by a guy who had never been a politician before. You know, maybe if our ideas were so good, we wouldn't be in the minority party in the House and in the Senate, despite the fact that they have at least a plus five, maybe a plus 10 point perception gap that is created by the way the media reports on Democrats versus on Republicans. Right. So I I just. I would like that to be something that we all keep in mind here. You know, that's something to remember as we, as we get closer to the midterms. But the unhinged rhetoric is one thing. And then also the unhinged ideas. You know, I find the Bernie Sanders wing of the Democrat Party to be slightly less odious than the Hillary wing or than the, the mainstream uh, DNC folks, because they're just lying and they're corporatists and they're, they're pretending to be something they're not. At least the Bernie people tell you what they are. So and that's also at some level how I feel about MSNBC versus CNN, right? CNN is kind of the CNN was the Hillary channel. MSNBC was really the Obama channel before, and it's kind of the Bernie channel now. And the the Hillary folks, they're they're just lying all the time, which makes sense because, you know, Clinton. Uh, But when you look at the ideas of the Bernie people, this is insane. You know, I, I like to sit around and talk to them because they're open about it. So at least you can have a conversation. Right? The Hillary people just it's like it's like squeezing at uh, at Plato. It, it just never goes anywhere it, it or, or it goes everywhere, meaning that you can't. It has no real form. There's no real ideological basis. Whatever demagoguery Hillary's DNC, Hillary Democrats have to engage in, they will. Whatever they have to say, that's OK at the time. They'll change any positions. It's really not about ideology. It's just about creating a shell of a, a shell of an ideology, filling, filling it with a lot of special interests and a lot of uh, identity politics and then trying to pursue power. The Bernie Sanders wing, you know, the, the hard left in this country, they they're embracing the, the, the title of socialists. I mean, they're not running away from that anymore, which is something of a uh, digression at, at least or definitely a, 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 a difference from what we have seen with the uh, Hillary folks who say, oh, socialism is a slur. No, Bernie's like, I love socialism. It tastes delicious. You know, Bernie's all about socialism. But when you start to look at the ideas, when you look at what they're really talking about here, it is nuts. Free, I mean, you know, Medicare for all. Medicare right now is on track to be a an impossible expenditure for the United States, right? Medicare right now is too expensive. You're going to ju- they're going to shoehorn all people onto essentially a Medicare like plan. And it's not even just the expense of it. Where are the providers going to come from? How is this going to happen? Are they going to accommodate the services of doctors to force them to take lesser fees than they would than they than they need to keep their doors open? 
because they say so, right? Because the bureaucracy, because the state thinks that this is the way it should be. You know, they have no real answers to this. You know, they're, they're going to make college free. Why is that a good idea? Think about what that means. Who's going to pay for this college or too many people? I'm just going to say it. Too many people right now go to college. Too many people are taking out massive loans and not really getting much of an education. They're not putting themselves in a position where they're likely to succeed going forward. And I, and I think that uh, that that is, you know, that, that's a, just when you start to look at the ideas of the far left, this is where we get the whole abolish ice thing. I mean, they're just nuts. The hashtag resist squad uh, they're being more open about their craziness, but now the craziness of their ideas becomes the real problem. Now the fact that you can't take their ideas, or, or rather, if you take their ideas seriously, you're giving them too much credit. That becomes the issue. That becomes the problem. So it, it goes beyond civ the civility issue. It's not just that the hard left sounds crazy. Their ideas are crazy. And they ignore a century plus of history of collectivism and what has happened when the state has become too powerful when the redistribution of wealth has become a primary goal of economic policies, uh, their ignorance is itself dangerous, never mind just their uncivil tone. Uh, but that ad about the unhinged left, it's very real. The loony left, my friends, we need to combat them, and we will. Let's hope the midterms show that we can win. Uh, we'll get into some roll call here in just a moment. Stay with me. Rock and roll, fellow patriots. Time to spread some freedom coast to coast. It's time for Roll Call. Indeed it is. It is the Roll Call time. It, By the way, if my voice breaks, I'm sorry. It's been a long week. Not easy to be up at five, three-hour radio show at night. John, I don't understand how anybody does this, man, including me. I'll be honest with you. It's bonkers right now. Everyone's like, how do you do that? And I keep saying, I don't know. I'm just really tired all the time. I'm just tired. Just Can wanna... I chime in for a minute? Yeah, of course, I've been man. working every day since uh, Father's Day. Every day. You've worked every day without a day off? That's right. Now I feel like a wimp because I at least get weekends off. See? Dude, John is the hardest hardest working man that I know. So there, there you go. Uh, all right, but roll call. We get, we're going to do a double roll call sesh because it's a Friday. And that's always fun to do. So... If you want to be a part of the Roll Call, facebook.com slash Buck Sexton or officialteambuck at gmail.com. Now, let's get to Jen first. Wow, Buck, I just finished listening to your Thursday show on podcast. You are in rare form. Slap happy doesn't cover it, dude. Get some sleep. Seriously. And I can give you some essential oil recipes to help you uh, keep from getting sick. That may result from all the sleep you're not getting. Take care of yourself, Jen. Well, Jen, hopefully Slap Happy makes for some good radio because uh, I, I agree. I was a little, um, yeah, I'm, I'm pushing through. I'm pushing through because I'm keeping it real. So, yes, indeed. Uh, thank you, though, for the note. And, and essential oils, I don't know if that stuff works, but it sounds good. So we could, you know, John, what do you think? You, are you, you John is not an essential oils guy. I'm not sure I am either. Uh, so there we have it. William, next up, uh, he goes, there you go, Buck. Now you have it right on rising. We've been saying you need to step it up because Crystal was always dropping little statements of leftist nonsense 
and you were letting her get away with it. I know you're not there to own the libs, but it wasn't a fair exchange. I just got done watching the June 29th episode, and you nailed it. That's what we're talking about, calling her out on those little things she sneaks in during her monologues. Great job, Buck. Keep it up in Shields High. Well, thanks, William. You know, we're trying to be playful, trying to give both sides of the story. It's, as you know, it is not about owning the libs. It's a conversation, not a confrontation. It's very hard to do, folks. It's very hard to do. I'm, I'm not going to pretend like it's an easy thing because, you know, these are, I have very strongly held convictions, as does Crystal, and we are diametrically opposed. And we agree on almost nothing in terms of politics. Uh, but we're trying to have an exchange and discussion. The, the way I try to approach it on the show, and those of you who haven't seen it, it's hill.tv slash rising. The way I try to approach it is to say uh, that I'm I like to ask, well, explain how your side sees this. You know, so that way we don't have to get into the, well, you know, the, your, your side's so wrong. I want to hear it. And then maybe I'll push back on some parts of it that are obviously problematic. But, you know, I'm a conservative, not because I, I think that it's fashionable, not because I like to wear boat shoes and an ascot, although now I'm thinking I got my weekend set up. You know what I mean? I think my wardrobe is good to go but i'm not a conservative for for those reasons i'm a conservative because i think that it's correct i think that conservatives are right uh, so yes indeed uh now we have patrick who writes hey buck i did like creed the first time i heard them when they were called pearl jam dum dum shields high all right patrick all right fair enough fair enough I think that, uh, you know, look, not everybody has great hearing, you know, so maybe you confuse Creed with Pearl Jam. I don't, you know, that's you might have had the Walkman on a little too a little too loud back in the 90s, my friend, because Creed and Pearl Jam are not similar at all. Nonsense. Uh, but we can. Hey, everyone's entitled to his opinion. Thomas writes, glad to see rising take shape. Looks like the audio issues have been resolved. I did experience a lot of buffering during the segments. Typical for a new broadcast site as viewership expands. I'm sure your broadcast engineers are doing their best to expand buffering capacity on the system to compensate. One eerie thing I did notice during your exchanges with Crystal Ball, she has the same mannerisms, tone, and phrasing as Jessica Tarlov. Might just be my perceptions. Keep up the good work. Rising is a good format for you, Shields High. Well, thank you, Thomas. And Thomas, I know you're, you've are you been with me a long time here in the hut, so I appreciate that. If you like what's going on here, if you think that Rising is is coming along. That That is very meaningful to me, and I really, really do appreciate it. So thank you. Uh, and and as to Tarlov and Crystal, I, I can't say that I see that one, but now that you've brought it to my attention, I'll spend a little more time on it. Uh, next up, Don. Hi, Buck. Not sure if you've heard of the walkaway movement or not, but I'd encourage you to visit the link below and watch this short video. It seems that a few intelligent liberals are waking up to Democrat lies, Love the show. Take care and God bless. Uh, walk away. John, do you know about this walk away movement? Never heard of this before. Yeah. So sorry, Don, I got to look into this. I've never heard of it, but I will look at the hashtag and see what's going on. Um, Tammy writes, for what it is worth, I really want to like, <laughs> uh oh, here it comes. I really want to like rising, but I just do not enjoy watching it. The problem for me is the conservative and liberal format, as well as Crystal's delivery. It's important to know what the other side is thinking. But I can get that from every other news show 24-7. What would make me a regular viewer of Rising is if you had a conservative co-host, not someone who mirrors your every opinion, but so, but rather one who compliments them yet offers a different view. 
Get Tara. <laughs> Regardless of who co-hosts with you, I wish you the best. Always best wishes in all your endeavors, Tammy. Tammy, thank you. Uh, the format is the format, and uh, I am I'm committed to making this work with uh, my friend and and colleague Crystal. It was very nice to see Tara though today. I got to tell you, it was you know she came out on set and we gave each other a big hug, and it was like old times. And I'm really hoping that she spends more time with us at Hill.TV. I, I can tell you the thing about Tara is she's got a lot of folks that are in the TV world that are interested in her, uh, interested in having her you know, do more content, more on-air appearances. I'm just hoping that we can get her to spend more time with us. That's as far as, that's as much as I can say about that right now, but uh, we're certainly going to be bringing her back, if I have any, any say about it. Uh, here you go. Next up here... Uh, Michael writes, have you ever noticed how ripped Tom Fitton is? Guy does some serious lifting, not your typical DC wuss. Uh, and then he writes, uh-oh, your tie is MIA again. Better send out an intern to look for it. No, no, I, I, I get the tie a little askew on purpose, guys, because I'm not trying to do the anchorman thing in the morning show. I'm trying to have a little more of a relaxed vibe, you know, a little more of a relaxed feel. Like the early days of Real News, for those of you who remember that show. Which now that I'm launching another digital show, I got to tell you, Real News is a great show. We had a lot of fun. We had really good conversations on that show. Uh, it was a very, very high level discussion. And everybody involved in that show went on to other, I shouldn't say bigger and better things, because I, like I don't like the way that sounds, but went on to really good opportunities afterwards. Um, and, and we also trained, I shouldn't say trained, but we gave a lot of reps to many of the young folks that are now becoming mainstays at Fox News. If you go back and look, they were they came through the early days of real news. Uh, Katie Pavlich, Guy Benson, Pete Hegseth, um, uh, Amber Smith. Uh, you, know, you go down the whole list, and not to mention my co-hosts, Will Kane, S.E. Cup, Tara Setmayer, uh, and Amy Holmes. Everybody went on to do other things So in media. Rachel. Right. Shields High. I'm 24 years old, only recently started to take a more in-depth interest in politics, mainly because the fantastic way you present all the news. Well, thank you, Rachel. But my question is whether the media and liberals have this much hatred toward Bush. I was in elementary school at the time of his presidency, so I don't know how they reacted to him. But is it much more personal with Trump? Thanks for all your analysis. And I hope you have a restful weekend in New York with Miss Molly. Rachel from SoCal. Um, Rachel, it's a very fair question. The accusations of uh, Nazism, for example, are not new. Liberals were saying similar things about Bush, and they were also calling Bush a war criminal. Um, so that's something else to remember here. Uh, they hated Bush. They, they were, while they say that Trump is a vulgarian and he's disgusting and, and he's a racist, the knock on Bush, they said that Bush was stupid all the time. It was a constant, Bush is so dumb, Bush is so dumb, and I can tell you from having interacted with Bush, that's just not fair. It's just not true. Bush was actually a, a, a sharp guy, not very articulate, but that does that's not the same thing. I know plenty of people who sound good when they're talking, but it's actually just blather, right? Just a lot of blather coming out of their mouth. Uh, so there you have it. Uh, but they said terrible things about Bush, terrible things about Bush back in the day. Uh, and, and is it comparable to Trump? No, they hate Trump more. Don't get me wrong. They hate Trump more, but they weren't fair. They weren't fair at all to Bush. So, uh, But it's, it's, it's important, I think, for everyone to remember just how crazy they were with hatred of, of Bush. So don't think that this is new. 
And also the notion of a stolen election, folks. This is now the second stolen election, allegedly stolen election in my lifetime. You know what, you know what another name for a stolen election is? An election that a Democrat president, presidential candidate lost. That's what a stolen election is in the uh, modern parlance. Uh, by the way, the uh, podcast, the Freedom Hut podcast is up. It is up. You can find it on iTunes. Uh, go into the Apple Store. We have the five best martial arts movies of all time, The Truth About the Spanish Inquisition, and a, an appearance by Comrade Kami Bear. Folks, you can't miss that. You can't miss it. You got to go check it out. Please download it. Please post it to your Facebook page. Share it with some friends. When we come back, we're going to finish up strong with a little more of the roll call. Stay with me. Team Buck, it's time for roll call. A double roll call. There you have it. It's Friday, so I felt I felt like we should just get into it. Um, Joseph, you write, hey, Buck. I have a great acapella group name for you. Only problem is you have to find a guy named Tim to partner up with you. The name would be Tim Buck 2. Get it? I crack myself up. Your show is great. Joseph, thank you so much. Tim Buck 2 is actually not a bad acapella group name. I'll be honest with you. But it would really be an acapella duo. So, so, and our, and our call screener here today is actually named Tim. So you are, you've captured the zeitgeist of the hut right now, my friend. Rob writes, Buck, I got to say, you are like a plum bob, perhaps a speed square. Bottom line, you are the level that keeps America on the straight and narrow. Thank you for your tenacity. You are chosen for this time. Out of the mouth of babes comes truth and wisdom. P.S. Beef and broccoli. Rob. All right, Rob. I think there's a lot of wisdom in there. I can't say for sure, but I think there's a lot of wisdom in there. So I will just say uh, thank you so much, and and yay, much much appreciated. Um, very kind of you to have those thoughts that you shared, Bill. Hello, Bill. Hey, Buck. Excuse the short notice. Could you do a live shot on the? Oh. No, Bill, I'm so sorry. I'm just getting this now. Bill asked me to call into his show, and I can't call into his show. Uh, but thank you for the opportunity, Bill. I this is people. You got to you know. I, I don't get the Facebook fast enough. There's so many messages. Uh, but Bill, I'll write you back as soon as I can. Jason, uh, hey Buck, love the montages and sound clips. Is there a way those could get posted somewhere, or perhaps the times of the podcast, so I can re-listen? Lots of times I try to tell my wife about some segment, but I can't find it again on the podcast. John, what is he? I don't really know what he means by that. Uh, is there a way we can get those posted somewhere so we can re-listen? So they just want the montages separately? I guess. I don't I don't know. Yeah, we posted as a whole show. I don't know, Jason, where we could do that. Let me think about it, Jason. Let me think about it. Look, I'm, I'm, a, I'm in the people-pleasing business. So if Jason and some of the folks in the hut want want a separate pod, uh, separate place for the sound montages well then maybe that's what we'll have to do david hey david uh he writes something here that i don't know what this is i'm gonna go next to michael yo buck oss shields high a strange discussion has started among my friends who are quite diverse in political leaning and i wanted your thoughts 
The entire group keeps discussing Dwayne The Rock Johnson as a potential presidential candidate for 2024, and it is a discussion that will not die. I have friends that range from solid left to Trump Republican. All of them have no objection to a vote for the man. I suddenly stopped and realized The Rock may be the only candidate to achieve the impossible, a presidential win without a party. It sounds insane, but it keeps looking like a real possibility. Do you think this insane thing could happen? Also, I think you should set up a couple of cameras in the studio and record the daily radio show. Many local guys do that type of thing in these parts. Nothing fancy, just video of you and the Hut crew doing your thing. Thanks and shields high. Well, Michael, I'll deal with the end part of this first. Uh, yes, we are thinking about doing that. That's why I've been doing some of the Facebook lives here in the Hut. So you are ahead of the curve on that, to be sure. And then also, uh, as to your your question about The Rock, I got to say that, uh, yeah, I could see The Rock being a formidable presidential candidate, as crazy as that sounds. Let's all understand this. In the era of Trump, nothing can be considered impossible with our in politics now, really, right? I mean, within reason. But it has completely changed the Overton window of acceptable political candidates uh, for discussion. It's it's definitely, you know, to say, oh, that would never happen. Really? Oprah would never run? Really? You want to? You sure? Would you would you bet your life savings on that one? I doubt it. Right. You, you, it's just too tough. Uh, we just don't know. Uh, we just don't know. Uh, next up here, Paul writes. Oh, he's talking about the Facebook live. Paul, thank you so much for the. Uh, the advice here on the Facebook Live, I do not have time to get to the whole message now, but I will get to it soon. Um, and I have some other notes here from folks. Uh, Charlene wrote in, hey, Buck, here you go. I thought when you saw this, oh, true facts about the sloth. Huh. I'll have to watch that one, too. Um, Buck, I've been, begun a discussion over cigars with a very liberal millennial. His girlfriend turned hostile when she discovered my politics and voted for Trump. Uh, we've continued the discussion over email and plan to get back together since, in his view, I'm the only thoughtful Trump voter. He said he wanted to learn more about the basis of my positions and ask for some recommendations of books. Do you have any recommendations, especially of books that present the conservative and Trump and also temperament simple, uh, similar to how you present yourself and your ideas? I look forward to hearing back from you. Best regards, Ed. Ed. Uh, read uh, Bastiat the Law, The Road to Serfdom, and mm, Reflections on the Revolution in France. All right, I got to close up the hut. We're going over. Everybody have a great weekend. See you Monday. Shields high. Look, you need a good security system in your home. That much is clear. But what you don't need is to get locked up with the fine print in some long-term contract that you don't want. You don't want bad customer service, and you really don't want a system that you can't really understand that doesn't work as advertised. Simply Safe solves all of this. Simply Safe has gotten an A plus rating with the Better Business Bureau for 10 years running. They've got over 40,000 five star reviews online. I've got a Simply Safe system at home. It not only is easy to use, it's very user friendly, it also looks good in your apartment. It runs off your Wi-Fi, folks. It's so straightforward. This is the only security system you want. Go check it out for yourself and see. Learn more about Simply Safe today at simplysafe, S-I-M-P-L-I, safe.com slash buck. That's simplysafe.com slash buck to protect your home and family with an A-plus security system. Simplysafe.com slash buck.